Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 18 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're in Judges 4 through 15 today, and let's jump right in, beginning with chapter 4. After Ehud's death, Israel returns to their evil ways, and Jabin, king of Canaan, oppresses them. His commander, Sisera, uses his force of 900 ironclad chariots to do so. The people are cruelly oppressed for 20 years. They pray. God sends a message via Deborah, a prophet, to Barak, instructing him to gather a force 10,000 strong because God will give Sisera, the enemy, into his hands. Barak refuses to go without Deborah. She concedes, noting that a woman will be hero that day. The enemy is routed, but the commander escapes only to be killed by a woman, Jael, in whose tent Sisera had sought respite while fleeing. While he was resting, Jael drove a tent peg through Sisera's head, and he died. Chapter 5 is a song by Deborah, the prophet, after the victory over Jabin, king of Sisera, excuse me, over Jabin, King Jabin and Sisera, his commander. It's definitely a good read. Here are some lines from that song. And I quote, Hear this, you king. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. And these words a bit later, words of rebuke. Curse Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its people bitterly, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. The song includes a graphic retelling of Jael's execution of Sisera, ending with these words, So may all your enemies perish, Lord, but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. The people had rest for 40 years. Years. Chapter 6 begins the story of Gideon. The people of Israel, having turned back to evil, were suffering at the hands of the Midianites. The Midianites, along with other nearby peoples, performed regular raids, especially during harvest. They covered the land like swarms of locusts, and that's a quotation. An angel met Gideon while he was threshing grain and instructed him to save Israel. Though reluctant, he begins to take action, first by worshiping God, making two offerings, one on a new altar. He then demolishes the altar of Baal and cuts down the Asherah pole after he builds a second altar and offers a bull on it. When his actions are discovered the next morning, the people want to kill him. But his father answers wisely, let Baal contend with him. The chapter ends with Gideon asking God for a sign to confirm his promise, promise of victory. First, he asked for his wool fleece to be wet with dew, but the ground dry. This happened, but it wasn't enough for Gideon. So he asked for the ground to be wet and the fleece dry. This also happened, and it was enough for Gideon. Chapter 7 records that the next day found Gideon and his men camped near a spring. But God said there were too many men. Let me quote God's words directly. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So when God's done downsizing the army by letting or sending most of the people home, Gideon had just 300 
men. These 300 are divided into three 100-man units sent to three locations, each with a sword, a pitcher, and a torch, the torch being hidden under the pitcher. Here's how things went down. At the beginning of the middle watch, and I quote, just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. Then they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Needless to say, God gave them victory over the terrified Midianites. You can find the whole story in chapter 7, as well as 6 for that matter, and it's worth reading. Gideon's story continues in chapter 8 with the pursuit of Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. It's mentioned with some detail that there's friction between some of Gideon's countrymen, and he promises and later takes revenge. All said, at the end of the day, the entire Midianite army is routed and the two kings killed. Gideon refuses to rule over Israel, though asked. Unfortunately, the story turns dark, with Gideon making an ephod and that ephod being worshipped by all Israel and becoming a snare for Gideon and his family specifically. The land has peace for 40 years, and it's noted Gideon had many wives and 70 sons. He died at a good old age. Immediately following his death, Israel returned to worshiping Baal. Gideon, by the way, is also known in, in, the, in this story as Jeru Baal. Chapter 9 tells the tragic story of one of Gideon's sons, Abimelech, murdering his 70 brothers. This is followed by Jotham, Gideon's youngest son, rebuking the city of Shechem for permitting this treachery and crowning Abimelech as their king. Three years later, the tide turns against Abimelech and a man, Gael, moves into Shechem. The story that follows is one of bloodshed and ambush, even the burning of a stronghold containing over a thousand people. The town was destroyed and salted. A few remaining survivors had taken refuge in a tower. When Abimelech and his men approached the tower, a woman tossed down a millstone wounding Abimelech. Hurriedly, he called to his armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me so that they can't say a woman killed him. So his servant ran him through and he died. Chapter 10 records Tola leading Israel for 20 years, followed by Jer of Gilead, whose 30 sons rode 30 donkeys. Following these two, the Israelites again do evil, turning to the local gods. After suffering miserably at the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, they pray and God responds. Here are his words. You have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer serve you. Excuse me. So I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. But the people responded by getting rid of their foreign gods and turning to God, after which the text says, and he, God, could bear Israel's misery no longer. Chapter 11 records the rise of Jephthah the Gileadite, a mighty warrior and a son of a prostitute. The story records a diplomatic exchange between Jephthah and the Ammonite king. It does not resolve the situation, so Jephthah goes on the offensive, successfully devastating 20 Ammonite towns. Before this offensive, Jephthah had vowed to sacrifice to God the first thing that came out of his house, if God gave him the victory. Upon his return, he is abhorred when his one and only child, a daughter, comes out to meet him. 
In chapter 12, Jephthah has trouble with the Ephraimites who are angry because he didn't invite them to battle against the Ammonites. So here's a brief, so there's a brief but bloody civil war leaving 42,000 Ephraimites dead. Jephthah led Israel six years and died. Following him are Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon, who rule as judges. The last three chapters of today's reading, beginning with chapter 13, tell most of the story of the strong man, Samson. These last three chapters are worth reading, chapters 13 and 14. God raises up another deliverer, and I quote, The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So the woman told her husband Manoah, and the next day the angel showed up again. This time the woman brought her husband to meet the angel. After affirming the previous day's message, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the offering which Manoah offered. A few months later, the woman gave birth to a son, naming him Samson, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Chapter 14 records Samson demanding to marry a young Philistine woman. As the chapter unfolds, the story is told of Samson killing a lion, and later finding honeybees and fresh honey in its carcass. As part of the marriage arrangements, Samson is given 30 young men as companions. He tells them a riddle related to the honey and the bees and the lion. They manipulate the answer out of him through his new wife. Samson, being the loser of this riddle game, kills 30 men and strips them of their clothes, which he gives in payment for losing the riddle match. Chapter 15 tells of Samson returning to Timnah to see his new wife only to discover she's been given to another man in his absence. Enraged, Samson uses foxes to set the right Philistine grain fields on fire. The Philistines' response to all this, burn the woman and her family. Samson goes into hiding, but his people, afraid, turn him over to the Philistines. He's tied with new ropes. Under the power of the Spirit of the Lord, he breaks free when approached and kills 1,000 Philistine men with the jawbone of a donkey. And that's the end of today's highlights. Have a great day.